Hey everybody, it's Sam Jacobs. Welcome to the Sales Hacker Podcast. Today on the show, we've got Shruti Kapoor. Shruti is the co-founder and CEO of a company called Wingman. Wingman is helping salespeople make better decisions in the moment by bringing intelligence into both the conversations in real time and also into the overall aggregation of data so that people can be better at closing deals, which is obviously important. It's a company based in India. She started in India and uh, and they're, they're international and growing all over. So um, they're doing really well. It's a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Before we get there, let's listen to a word from our sponsors. This episode of the Sales Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Outreach. Outreach is the first and only engagement and intelligence platform built by revenue innovators for revenue innovators. Outreach allows you to commit to accurate sales forecasting, replace manual process with real-time guidance, and unlock actionable customer intelligence that guides you and your team to win more often. Traditional tools don't work in a hybrid sales world. Find out why. Outreach is the right solution at click.outreach.io forward slash 30 MPC. That is click.outreach.io forward slash 30 MPC. This episode of the Sales Hacker Podcast is sponsored by Pavilion. Pavilion is the key to getting more out of your career. Our private membership connects you with a network of thousands of like-minded peers and resources where you can tap into dozens of classes and training through Pavilion University. Make sure you take advantage of the Pavilion for Teams corporate membership and enroll your entire go-to-market team in one of our industry-leading schools and courses, including Marketing School, Sales School, Sales Development School, and Revenue Operations School. Unlock your professional potential and your team's professional potential with a Pavilion membership. Get started today at joinpavilion.com. Once again, that's joinpavilion.com. This episode of the Sales Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Freshworks. Have you ever been in a digital sales room? Well, if you haven't, your sales team should be in one soon. Gartner, in its latest report, predicts that by 2025, 50% of all enterprise B2B sales technology implementations will include digital sales rooms. Create an immersive digital sales environment with Fresh Sales. With Fresh Sales, you can develop digital customer journey maps, integrate advanced digital commerce capabilities into B2B sales, create unified experiences across touch points, and enable visibility for your sales and marketing teams. See how thousands of businesses use Fresh Sales to shorten sales cycle and improve sales conversions faster. Get a free trial of Fresh Sales at freshworks.com slash fresh sales. Get a free trial again of fresh sales at freshworks.com forward slash fresh sales. Hey everybody, it's Sam Jacobs. Welcome to the Sales Hacker Podcast. Today on the show, we've got Shruti Kapoor. Shruti is the CEO and co-founder of a company called Wingman. She loves Iron Man and she wants every sales team to have their own Jarvis. She's worked across life sciences research, investment banking, technology investing, commercialization, product development, fintech, and sales. And she can find you can find Shruti enjoying podcasts and board games when she's not flying paper planes with her five-year-old. Shruti, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sam. Great to be here. We're excited to have you. So one of the things we like to do uh, when we start is to give you an opportunity to tell us a little bit more about your company. So you are the CEO and co-founder of a company called Wingman. What does Wingman do? Wingman's mission is to make, you know, the life of salespeople better. What we do is we help make revenue intelligence actionable. So we bring in insights from different types of sales interactions across calls, emails, video meetings, and then... Uh, Not only do we analyze, find trends in them, but we try and take that intelligence, break it up into little nuggets that people can use, you know, either while they're actually speaking to the customer or while they're preparing for that interaction or right afterwards. 
So yeah, the way I like to think about it is, you know, we all know that maybe we should wake up at 5 a.m. and our lives will be magically better, but it's really hard to do that. And that's kind of where a lot of the magic lies in enabling people to actually uh, do those things. And that's what Pingman does for sales teams. I love it. How So tell us a little bit about sort of like the history of the company and where you are in your growth journey. How, how large are you? You can answer that in any way you want from money raised to number of people that work there. What, give us a sense for where you are in your, in your evolution. Sure. So I started the company uh, almost four years back now. Um, We're a team of nearly 50 people uh, as we speak. And uh, yeah, we, we you know, mainly work with uh, sales teams of all sizes. Um, and we have more than uh, 200 sales teams that work with us today. And are you based in India? I think you're based in India, if I'm not mistaken. But where is the company distributed all over? Do you have offices in the US? Yeah, I'm based in India. Right now, all of the folks are based in India. Um, But yeah, we are looking to open offices uh, in the US soon. Wonderful. So tell us a little bit about your background. You know, I, I, I mentioned a number of different, you know, areas of, of experience for you. you I mentioned uh, finance, I mentioned entrepreneurialism and product development. Walk us through a little bit about your career and how you came to be the, the co-founder for Wingman, how you thought about it. Just give us a little bit of your sense for your, your evolution, because a lot of people want to be co-founders, they want to start their own companies, and they want to be CEOs. And it's always inspiring to hear the journey of, of people that have done it before. Right. I don't think there is kind of a linear path to getting there. And I think the good thing with uh, being a founder is, you know, you will always feel unprepared. Uh, and the bad thing is that you will realize how much you don't know. But, you know, in some sense, that makes it, uh, I would say, an equal playing field because everybody who becomes a founder uh, probably realizes uh, that they're ill-equipped to be one because there are just so many different hats that you need to wear on any given day. But my own journey, uh, right, so you know, it's, it's definitely been a bit of a mix, right? Uh, I started out uh, always loving technology. So I think even as a kid, I always loved tinkering around. And, you know, when I went in to do my undergraduate studies, I was very sure that I wanted to, you know, do something in biotechnology, uh, maybe do cancer research. And I spent a lot of time during my university uh, years and uh, shortly after in uh, actually, you know, figuring out what research really meant. Uh, but very quickly realized that, uh, you know, it wasn't something that I would enjoy and therefore uh, declined PhD offers that I had. Uh, and instead, you know, I wanted to experience the corporate world, decided maybe I'll do an MBA first, uh, get, uh, you know, some grounding in that and then, um, you know, switch gears. Um, I think that was a good idea in hindsight because it gave me both a good grounding and I think uh, also a good network of people that, you know, still helped me in my journey. And then, I think through that evolution, uh, I knew that I was, you know, I enjoyed analytical stuff. So finance seemed interesting. And then I managed to somehow marry my two interests in terms of, you know, finance and analysis uh, and technology. So, you know, spent eight years uh, working in a fund that was investing in very early stage technology, uh, literally research coming out of universities. And in that process, what happened was that I was seeing, you know, the startup journey Uh, more from the creative side of, you know, how do you take an idea? How do you think about, uh, you know, the market for it? Uh, How do you actually get it in the hands of that market? What does it entail? And that I found really interesting. And I thought maybe this is something that I want to be involved on, you know, from the driver's seat. Uh, And that's kind of how I uh, decided to take the leap. What was it about the, the category? You know, how did you decide on this particular 
focus? Was it experience in sales? Was it customer interviews? How did you figure out that this was an area essentially like sales enablement or revenue enablement that, that you right, wanted to right. focus on? Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a valid question given my background. So before I start, decided to start up, I um, you know worked at a, fund, a firm called Pioneer. And there my role was uh, more on the sales uh, side of things. So I was helping figure out what is the you know, what should be the go-to-market strategy? Who do we sell Pioneer product to? How do we message it to them, uh, the salespeople, hiring them, training them, etc. And in that process, what I discovered was that it was really hard to take the things that the customers were telling us or, you know, basically the voice of customer and share it back with people in the organization who needed to know it without kind of losing the sense of it, right? So, you know, we needed the product and the marketing teams to understand what the customers were saying because this was, you know, a new product in a new market. But it was so hard because, you know, one is people kind of assume that salespeople are going to be biased in their opinion of why they lost a deal. Uh, and so, you know, you don't get full credibility, uh, right, when, when you present something. Second part is that it's also, you know, very biased by recency. So, if at the end of a month you ask a salesperson, you know, why are customers not buying from you? Whatever answer you get just depends on what were the last three conversations or the last three deals that that person lost. And, you know, coming from a finance and more of a data oriented approach for the decade before that in my career, I felt like, you know, this was just so flawed. And one thing that I had learned was you can't change human behavior, but, you know, human behavior sometimes gives you uh, opportunities that you can exploit. And I felt that you can't really change and get sales reps to write every single thing that they're talking about with the customer. Uh, but maybe this was something that technology could help solve for. Uh, so that was literally the starting point, you know, where I was like, okay, this seems like really important data that every organization should use for improving, you know, how they think about the customer, the product and the market, but it wasn't going to come from the salesperson. So that was literally the starting point. And then as we went deeper, we, you know, of course, spoke to a lot of sales leaders, we spoke to a lot of people who were kind of, you know, our possible target uh, customers. And we realized, okay, if I gave you this information, how would you use it, right? So that we could build a product that wasn't just capturing data, but actually helping them, you know, achieve their goals. So yeah, we went through a few uh, evolutions to uh, get to that answer, but uh, it was a combination of personal experience and customer interviews. Did you feel like on the same playing field, disadvantaged or advantaged starting a company in India relative to starting a company and more, you know, for, 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 for me living in New York, I will say more traditional. It doesn't necessarily mean it's more traditional, but you know, we hear about startups in Silicon Valley and, and New York. How did you feel about sort of your chances or did you like your chances? Was there better access to talent in some ways because you were originally, because you're based in India? Yeah, so that's, you know, that's an interesting question. I think when we started the company, uh, we we knew that we were always going to be, um, you know, kind of a company in two geographies uh, because we definitely felt that our access and cost of talent pool, you know, in India was going to be better. But at the same time, we always also knew that we were building the product for uh, the Western market. And so we knew that we were going to also need to, kind of have a base or a presence or a focus on uh, the US. So yeah, I think in that sense, it was like we knew that we needed to put uh, our two feet into different continents and uh, build it, which of course was much harder. Um, but I think it gave us uh, some inherent advantages in the long run. What advantages do you think it gave you? 
so I think uh, two things. One is we, you know, we knew that if we are able to uh, get the talent pool uh, that we want over here, uh, we would be able to build the company much more efficiently. And you know, my two co-founders, uh, who are both uh, great techies, had actually already spent a decade in the U.S. working for some of the top companies in Silicon Valley, like you know, Google, Uber, Amazon, and we knew that we kind of had the advantage of knowing what the talent pool looked like, what you know, what what the best in class looked like, and we knew that you know, with this team, we could actually replicate, you know, getting really good quality people, training them really well, but being able to do that uh, at a, a much more uh, efficient, you know, economics. So that was uh, one part of it. And I think the other part of it, just from a go-to-market standpoint, was that we knew that once we had crossed the uh, initial hurdles of, you know, how do you build trust? How do you build a brand? Uh, we knew that we could also service you know a variety of customers much better because we'll also have uh, much more efficiency in our go-to markets which meant that you know we'll have much more optionality we didn't need to say that you know we will only go after really large customers or we will only do deals which were you know above a certain price point uh, we could actually experiment a lot more it makes a lot of sense what are some of the key lessons that you've learned over the last four years building the company that maybe you would share with a new founder or a new entrepreneur what what are some of the things that you'll take with you perhaps if you start a new company yeah i think <laughs> i think every day in the startup world is a new lesson so i'm sure if you ask me this question uh you know a few months down the line you might get a different answer hmm. but i think you know early on one thing uh, that was really important was to believe in you know yourself and the idea and you know that there will always be naysayers who uh, who will you know basically find a reason why this should fail right and literally if whatever it is that you're doing uh, you know if some people at least don't think that uh, it that idea shouldn't exist uh, that means that you know that there's something wrong with the idea uh, right and in our case that was also true right like when we started out a lot of people will be like but you know sales people will not like that and their customers will not like that and you know i don't think this will work so so one is that right the second part is that life is only that long or short to make all the mistakes uh, and in the startup world there are way too many of them that we can make so you know over a period of time my biggest uh, you know hack in some sense has been go and find a person uh, or maybe three people who've done the same thing that you're about to do and see if you can find out and learn from their mistakes, right? So that is like, say you're hiring for the first time for a particular role. You have no idea what that role should do. How do you define uh, the job description for it? How do you uh, judge somebody for it, evaluate somebody for it? You know, don't, don't try and like reinvent this, right? Go and speak to people um, who've done this. Uh, understand what mistakes they've made, what wrong hires they might have made so that you don't kind of go through that journey. So, you know, you don't have to do it alone uh, and you don't have to feel shy uh, asking for help. You know, there are a lot of people who've gone through the pain who will be happy to reduce your pain. Well, I run a community company, so I, I'm a fervent believer in what you just said. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> one, of, one of the things that, that you, uh, you, you've talked about in the past is sort of the difference between creators and sellers. Tell us a little bit about how you think about those two categories of people. Yeah, so, you know, I think, 
um, maybe in some sense, mentally, uh, the two categories of people are wired a little bit differently in terms of how quickly they need and seek gratification, uh, right? I feel that a lot of times, you know, to be a good seller, all right, you almost need to be somebody who is constantly, un, you know, I wouldn't say unhappy, but, you know, impatient and, you know, quickly wants gratification, quickly wants results. And I think from a creator perspective, uh, sometimes that journey can be longer. And I think those people tend to get gratification and, um, you know, see success with a very, very different lens. What And do you view yourself as a creator? That's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I think I do. Yeah. I guess, how do you, you know, you, you mentioned that, you know, life is, is long or short. How do you think about like, how do you think about contextualizing the journey of the startup in your life? You know, do, do you think about it as something that might take the rest of your life? Do you think about it as something that might, how, how do you think about this particular adventure against the backdrop of all of your other experiences? I think, you know, uh, I mean, I, 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 if the question is like, do you see yourself doing this till the day you die? <laughs> That's part uh, of the question, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I don't think that I want to be uh, doing this till the day I die, uh, right? And just because I, you know, I'm a strong believer in making sure that uh, there is a strong, uh, you know, kind of work-life balance, and I think at some point I'll want that to kick in. Um, working on a startup is definitely not a good definition of work-life balance. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, but I think even even in the current context, um, you know, I, I try and uh, find ways for this not to be all consuming. Uh, right. And I think uh, that's why having some strong interests that I really enjoy, um, you know, just spending time with the family, all of those things help in having that balance. And I think keeping the sanity. Wise words. Absolutely. What, what, what have you learned? You know, you've been selling to salespeople over four years uh, and you've been building this product. One of the things that you said is that more intelligence and data isn't necessarily going to improve your sales performance. Talk us through that, what you mean by that, and also other lessons that you've learned observing and selling into the sales profession over, over the last four years. <laughs> so you know it's really uh, it's really interesting selling into the sales profession and I'll tell you a few observations uh, right you know if, if you're doing outbound campaigns and you see that somebody is like you know clicked your viewed your email like eight times or 20 times the chances are that it's not because uh, they're about to buy from you but the chances are that they just forwarded it to their own SDR team and said hey this is a really good one why don't you test this out <laughs> Um, <laughs> that, that, well, that is a very controversial perspective. <laughs> the the second one is that, you know, uh, you can be prepared to get on a cold call and then uh, end the call not with, uh, you know, you, you might like be on a cold call for five minutes and it wasn't because they were setting up the meeting with you, but maybe they were giving you advice on your pitch. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's basically an interesting mix of, empathy right and like you know somebody who really understands how tough sales can be you know how many knows a salesperson needs to deal with right so it's like the conversations that you have uh, are very interesting uh, right and I think sometimes those people are a lot more receptive like even if you go to a sales conference people will happily be like yeah sure go ahead scan my badge I understand this right like they know how how this world works 
Um, but at the same time, it can also be a very challenging audience because, you know, they are not just looking at, you know, the product, but they also may be evaluating uh, the person for their sales skills and for their sales process. Uh, and I think that and the fact that they also love to negotiate because they have been on so many uh, deals on the other side of uh, the negotiation table. Um, so, you know, there are some good things, some bad things, uh, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, and I think you also need to be a lot more on your toes and be innovative because they know all the tricks in the book. <laughs> well, it's interesting what you said. This specific, sorry, the, the point you're making is like, if we're just looking at the data, if we're just looking at activity metrics, we're not getting the full story. If somebody might spend, to your point, 10 minutes on a phone call, that doesn't mean that you know, we can check the box that they're, they're closer to the sale. They may not be. And also like, you know, the emails being open, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What, what do you, uh, you know, one of the things that you've also said is that you're not a big believer in this concept of fake it till you make it. Tell us a little bit more about what your philosophy is, as opposed to, you know, just trying to represent success without having it. How do you, how do you approach being a great founder? So, you know, I think the reason why the fake it till you make it uh, philosophy doesn't land well with me is I think it puts a lot of undue pressure on the founder. And I don't think it's great for people's mental health because you literally are being told that you can never be honest. You can never, um, you know, like let your hair down in some sense and ask for help. Uh, and I think that's that's impractical and that's probably counterproductive in some ways, uh, right? I think if you're a lot more self-aware and honest, uh, right, uh, you can have much better learning uh, conversations and a much better learning journey. Um, you can iterate much faster. But if you, you know, if you kind of are always trying to fake it till you make it, you almost have to always sound like you're on the top of the game. You know, you believe everything is perfect. Uh, you're super confident on what you're doing. Uh, and sometimes that closes the doors to feedback, to iteration and to improvement. I love that. That's a great point because you always need to be open to feedback, especially from customers. Shruti, if uh, we're, we're almost at the end of our time together, one of the things we like to do at the very end, you mentioned, right, that you, one of the practices that you've cultivated is finding people that have been there, done that to get support, assistance, mentorship. When you think about people or ideas that have had a particularly large influence on you that you think we should know about, tell us who comes to mind? Who do you think we should know about that's been a really important person in your life? I think not, I mean, <laughs> not not necessarily like a personal uh, person, but like I think some of the ideas from Yuval Noah and you know, the book, The Sapiens, especially the idea about the power of stories um, in, in terms of how uh, our society has evolved. Uh, I think that's that's been pretty foundational in terms of how uh, I think about things and how uh, I think the world operates today uh, when I see it with that lens. So Sapiens is the book. Great book. Yeah. Shruti, uh, if folks want to reach out to you, what's the best way to get in touch? So I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um, you can search for Shruti Kapoor and, you know, maybe put Wingman in there. But uh, yeah, that's probably the best way to reach out to me. Wonderful. Thanks so much for being on the show. And, uh, and we'll talk to you on Friday for Friday Fundamentals. Awesome. Hey, everybody. Sam Jacobs, Sam's Corner. Really enjoyed that conversation with Shruti Kapoor. I think it's just very impressive. You know, she's built a, a company uh, that's doing really important work, and she's done it from India. 
you know, we didn't talk about it, but as a woman, which I'm sure, you know, probably adds a degree of difficulty to uh, achieving breakout success, and she's, she's doing an amazing job. And I also think that the work that Wingman does is really important because, you know, as we talk about in Friday Fundamentals, there's so much data coming out all of us all the time. And, and making sense of that data and understanding exactly what you're supposed to say and when you're supposed to say it is really a critical, it's just, it, that's the part of sales that we all, we all need to be better at because we have the information now, now we need to make sense of it. And we need to make sure that we are ourselves experts in the way that we communicate and the way that we interact with our buyers and our prospects. So I, I, lo- I love that conversation. And I always, I always, you know, I do think that people with a background in investing and background in finance, they tend to be, they, they tend to be good operators because you have to be able to look at the business from a, you know, from a holistic perspective. So um, I enjoyed that conversation uh, and, uh, and I appreciate it. If you haven't given us uh, five stars on the iTunes store yet, please consider doing so. If you want to reach out to me, you can. LinkedIn.com forward slash the word in forward slash Sam F. Jacobs. Thanks to all of our sponsors and thanks to you for listening. Before we go, let's hear from our sponsors and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks again for listening to the Sales Hacker Podcast. Once again, thanks to our sponsors. Outreach, the first and only engagement intelligence platform built by revenue innovators for revenue innovators. Go to click.outreach.io forward slash 30MPC to learn more. Also, Pavilion, enroll your sales team, your marketing team, and your entire go-to-market organization in sales school, sales development school, marketing school, and many, many more. Learn more at joinpavilion.com. And finally, Freshworks and their new product, Fresh Sales. With Fresh Sales, you can develop digital customer journey maps, integrate advanced digital commerce capabilities, and create unified experiences across all of your digital touch points. Get a free trial of Fresh Sales at freshworks.com forward slash fresh sales.